first day, as we remember mothers or others who have nurtured us or influenced us, perhaps we think of the different characteristics that make or made them apparent to us, maybe like some of the things we saw or heard in the video, ways they teach and guide, protect and correct, encourage and counsel. The role of the good parent is so often a great metaphor for God's caring relationship with us. As Pastor Greg takes this time to celebrate a family graduation and then takes some time for vacation and renewal, I have been given three Sundays to share with you. I looked ahead at the calendar and next Sunday is Pentecost when we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit to believers So I thought this was the perfect opportunity to spend some time in the Spirit, to spend some time in preparation, to look at the presence of the Spirit in Scripture prior to Pentecost. Then we can anticipate and celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit next Sunday. And the following Sunday, we'll look at the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit. Now we sing or talk of God as three in one. Previously we sang, Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. And our response to communion will be similar. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The scripture passages I'm about to read were selected to give you a taste of the presence of the Spirit in scripture prior to Pentecost. We start in Genesis at the very beginning. The first chapter of Genesis, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And the other days of creation continued. Moving on to Judges, chapter 3, starting in verse 9, it says, But when the Israelites cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, who saved them. The Spirit of the Lord came on him, so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. So the land had peace for 40 years. And then moving on to 1 Samuel, chapter 16. The Lord told Samuel, Rise and anoint David, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. And the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Let's look at one of the prophets, Joel chapter 2. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I, the Lord, am your God, and there is no other. And my people shall never again be put to shame. Then afterward I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And in the Gospels, a 
a passage from the 14th chapter of John. Jesus is talking to the disciples, and Jesus answers one of them, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs so that when it does occur, you may believe. Scripture is our best and most authoritative source of finding out about God's revelations. Take the topic of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had a dilemma about the right thing to do and had a conversation, perhaps even a heated argument with yourself about which way to go? You might say rather flippantly, the devil made me do it, or the spirit made me do it. But how do we know whether it's God's spirit if we don't turn to scripture to see if our thoughts match up with God's revelation about the spirit? In preparing for this series of sermons, I've been reading the book, I Believe in the Holy Spirit, by Michael Green. And this book conveniently divides scripture into three parts. The Old Testament from creation to before Jesus. We might think of that as God's time. Then there's the Gospels from Jesus' birth to resurrection. And we might think of that as mainly Jesus' time. And then from Pentecost on, and we might call that the Holy Spirit's time. But as the scripture texts that I read demonstrate, God's Spirit was actually mentioned and active in all the different parts of scripture, but perhaps in different ways. So first, a lesson in Hebrew. As Jeff said, the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. You always have to get that little guttural thing in your throat in lots of these Hebrew words, ruach. It's a word that besides spirit also means wind or breath. And so in the third chapter of John's gospel, he uses these meanings to explain the Holy Spirit. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Sometimes ruach, is combined with other words. So in the Old Testament, Ruach Elohim, the Ruach of God, is found in lots of passages in the Old Testament, and it might refer to God's life-giving breath, or it might be God's power 
or God's creative activity or God's redeeming power, as in Ezekiel when God says, I will give them a new heart and put a new spirit within them. And one more term with the spirit in the Hebrew, ruach hakodesh, means the Holy Spirit. That appears mostly in the New Testament, but it is also found in Psalm 51 in the passage that we read for the call to worship. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Now let's see if we can use some of the passages about the scripture to get a better perspective on what God's spirit is like. Actually, just to let you know what's going on today, we are considering this much of the Bible, looking at how the spirit is. So let's see how we do. All right, sometimes God's spirit is powerful like the wind. In Genesis chapter 8, after the flood, God made a wind blow on the earth, and the waters subsided. In Exodus chapter 14, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and the waters were divided. Sometimes God's spirit gives life to beings, as in the second chapter of Genesis Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. God's breath in us contributes to our special nature. Sometimes the Spirit sets a person apart and makes them different. In Numbers chapter 14, God says that only Caleb out of all the remaining Israelites, will see the promised land because he has a different spirit and has followed me wholeheartedly. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, the priest Samuel anoints Saul to be king and then predicts what will happen to Saul as the day progresses, saying, you will meet a procession of prophets and the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Another pattern that emerges in the Old Testament is that certain people with a special role receive the Spirit. They may be kings or prophets, wise men or artistic persons. So, for example, the Spirit helps Joseph interpret dreams. In Genesis chapter 41, Pharaoh has two dreams, and the magicians and wise men of Egypt can't interpret them. Joseph is called in, and he says, God will give the answer. And after Joseph's interpretation, Pharaoh recognizes that Joseph has the Spirit of God in him. When the Israelites were assembling the tabernacle, God told Moses, See, I have called Bezalel of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the divine spirit, with ability, with intelligence and knowledge in every kind of craft. Other passages talk about the spirit guiding and instructing In Nehemiah, it says that God gave his good spirit 
to instruct them. The psalmist of Psalm 143 requests, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on a level path. And then other times the spirit lets individuals speak or act on behalf of Yahweh. So in Numbers chapter 24, it says, Then the Spirit of God came upon Balaam, and he uttered his oracle. In 1 Samuel, when the people of Jabesh-Gilead were threatened by the Ammonites, it says, And the Spirit of God came upon Saul in power when he heard about their threats, and his anger was greatly kindled, and that allowed him to gather up people of Israel to save those inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead. And still another passage in 2 Chronicles. We read that the Spirit of God took possession of Zechariah, son of the priest Jehoiada. He stood above the people and was able to say to them, Thus says God, and continued with his revelation. God's Spirit is also given to empower special people in time of need. So during the time of Judges, as I read one of the passages, we read that when the Israelites cried out to the Lord, the Lord delivered up a deliverer for the Israelites. And so this first one was Othniel, Caleb's younger brother. And it says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him so that he could judge and go to war and then let the land have peace. And a few chapters later, it says, the Spirit of the Lord took possession of Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet to gather the Israelites against the Midianites. And still a few chapters later, the Spirit of the Lord rushes on Samson so that he can have the strength to tear a lion apart. God's Spirit is also given to the anointed king in the Old Testament because the king was God's representative in ruling the people. First came Saul, and we read that the priest Samuel anoints Saul and he receives the Spirit. Then we later read that Samuel anoints David, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David even as it departed from Saul. Another way or another role of the Spirit is to communicate the will or the promises of God through prophecy. In Numbers chapter 11, Moses gathered 70 elders, and God took, it says that God took some of the Spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. In another passage, the prophet Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle clean water, or or this is the word of the Lord from Ezekiel, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols, and a new heart I will give you, a new spirit I will put within you, I will put my spirit within you and make you follow my statutes and have you be careful to observe my ordinances. All right, we've made it.
through bits of the Old Testament, we come now to the Gospels. What happens when Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, is sent to earth? Well, the Gospels present the Holy Spirit in a whole new way. Here we find the presence of the Spirit on Jesus. In Mark's Gospel, it says that the Spirit descends on Jesus as he comes out of the baptismal waters. The Spirit drives him into the wilderness. And afterwards, Jesus is able to command unclean spirits to leave a man. Matthew's Gospel tells us that Mary is with child from the Holy Spirit. And the angel tells Joseph that the child is from the Holy Spirit. But it's Luke's Gospel that highlights the strong presence of the Holy Spirit surrounding all the events of Jesus' coming and empowering Jesus' earthly mission. The Holy Spirit is present and active in those intertwined events surrounding the births of John the Baptist and Jesus. A lot of things happen in chapter 1. First, the angel tells Zechariah that John will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then the angel tells Mary that the Holy Spirit and the power of the Most High will create a holy child who will be called the Son of God. And shortly after, Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit when Mary comes to visit. And after the birth, Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesies. So that's the birth of John. Then moving into chapter 2, when the baby Jesus is presented in the temple, the Holy Spirit rests on Simeon, who praises God and identifies the infant Jesus as a light for the Gentiles, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. In chapter 3, John talks of the connection of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in baptism. And after Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. Chapter 4 begins, Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. And he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he's tempted. And after the wilderness, it says Jesus is filled with the power of the Spirit. And he quotes the prophet Isaiah saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's probably significant that all four Gospels mention John the Baptist's statement about baptism. I baptize you with water, but one coming after me will baptize with the Spirit. What does that mean? The people were familiar with water baptisms, but spirit baptism? Up until now, we have seen in the Old Testament a spirit that empowers a few chosen people. And now in the Gospels, a spirit that fills Jesus with power and equips him for his earthly ministry. Even at the very end of Matthew's Gospel, the mention of the Spirit is a command of action. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. A command to the disciples to baptize and teach others. But will they be successful without Jesus' presence? 
Near the end of Luke's gospel, Jesus makes a somewhat veiled promise. I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. But if we look at John's gospel, this promise becomes more clear. It's repeated multiple times that an advocate, the Holy Spirit, will be sent to help the disciples when Jesus is gone. Jesus says in chapter 14 of John, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or helper to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth. And a few verses later, the advocate or helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the, <clears throat> excuse me, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. In chapter 16, Jesus said, It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And a few verses later, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And yet as the Gospels come to a close, as John reminds its readers in an earlier passage, the Spirit has not yet been given. Because the Gospels are Jesus' time, a time for Jesus to lead the way to what the life in the Spirit looks like. The Spirit has been with Jesus to empower his earthly ministry. So we made it. A whirlwind tour through the Old Testament and the Gospels. An affirmation that God's spirit, Ruach Elohim, has been present all along as the breath of life, the gift of strength and wisdom and words of truth. And Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, is the promise of God's ongoing divine presence with, within and with us. So my challenge to you for this week is to remember each day the words of our call to worship. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Let us come prepared for next week's joyful celebration of Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit given to us. Let us pray. O loving and gracious God, we thank you for the way that you have been with us throughout eternity, from the very start of creation, through Jesus' life and resurrection, to this time that we have on earth now. And we ask that you will continue to teach and guide us, to let us relax and obliterate the noises from the outside world so that occasionally we can hear your voice, that we can feel your spirit's presence within us, and that we can know 
how to be your people. We lift up all these prayers in your Son's name. Amen.